If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to speak on the Comforter has come. In Acts chapter 10, and let us pray we prepare our hearts to receive. I believe the Lord has been doing that in the worship, in the time of praise, in this whole meeting. I believe the Holy Spirit has been uh, coordinating this meeting in a very gentle and a very real way. And we had a very special time for those that were here on Wednesday night uh, in the presence of the Lord. And we want to go further and deeper with him and move in the things of the Spirit in these days. We need the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to continue on with him. I know we can't manufacture anything. God forbid that we would try to do that or try to make anything happen. But I know this for sure, that it is God's heart, God's intention, and God's will to meet with his people and to manifest his glorious power and his life and to come and fill his church with the power of the Holy Spirit in these last days. And so as we turn to God's word this morning, Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, we uh, read Acts 10 and verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, and as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Let's just pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would move by your spirit, that the power of the Holy Ghost would anoint your word. And Lord, everything of ourselves, everything of our own ideas, our own thoughts, our traditions, Everything, Lord, we pray, we cast them all at your feet this morning. Lord, they are but dung, and our own righteousness are but filthy rags. But, Lord, we want Jesus, and we pray that your Spirit would move mightily, just like we're reading this morning, that the Holy Ghost would fall in this house. Lord, would you touch every life? Would you move by your Spirit? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take a few moments, if I could, uh, to talk just about what is happening here in the book of Acts. You are probably well familiar with it, know it very well. But if I could, I believe it's important just to put the whole of what has taken place in the early church into context so we understand how the Spirit of the Lord was moving at that time. The book of Acts and particularly the first 12 chapters recorded by the Apostle Luke revealed to us the foundation really of the church. We see that the chapters 13 through to chapter 28 of the book are dealing with the missionary endeavors largely of Paul the Apostle. You remember the words of the Lord that he would promised them that they would be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the first 12 chapters, so that you understand 
the timing of things, the first seven chapters are covering a two-year period at the foundation of the church. So sometimes when you're reading that, you're, you're actually coming along quite a, quite a distance or quite a time period. It didn't all happen on day one. We're covering quite a period of time. And then the, the, the next uh, chapters, the first seven chapters cover that two-year period at Jerusalem. Then the next five chapters, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, cover a period of 14 years. So when we're coming up into chapter 9, chapter 10, this is about 15 or 16 years after the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God. It was unique in it that it was the first, but it certainly wasn't the last outpouring of God's Spirit. That's important to know that. And important to know that the Spirit of God's desire is still to fall upon the church today. So we see here that around 15, 16 years after Pentecost, there was another glorious outpour of the Spirit. Now Peter the Apostle is residing at a place called Joppa. That's on the coast there. Um, it's a, you can see it online. It's a beautiful uh, coastal village. And Peter was... Uh, residing at the house of one called Simon the Tanner. And we read of Peter's journeys. He's coming from Jerusalem. The reason why that the church now is beginning to move outside of Jerusalem and to expand, if you like, is because persecution came to the church at Jerusalem. And so we know that one Saul of Tarsus was a key a key individual that was bringing persecution to the church, one of the key figures in bringing persecution, but wasn't it wonderful that God saved him? And he is Paul the Apostle. Give us 13 letters in the New Testament. But Peter has now moved out towards a place called Lydda, L-Y-D-D-A. And it tells us there in Acts chapter 9, if you want to flick back for a moment, I want you to follow Peter uh, just for a moment. He comes to this place, Lydda, and there there is a man, a certain man, that's sick of the palsy. He comes across this individual in this uh, little village of Lydda, and the palsy basically is a kind of paralysis, and also the, the body goes into tremors, uncontrollable tremors, and there's a paralysis that comes over the body. Praise the Lord. It sounds very similar to what Marguerite shared, but she's here this morning by the grace of God. He's the same healer here in Acts chapter 9. He has not changed the same Jesus in the life of Peter that walked into that place of light and found this certain man that was lying there. He had been ill for eight years on his bed, paralyzed, with these continual tremors in his life. And in Acts chapter 9 and verse 33, Peter comes and simply says, Jesus Christ, make thee whole. Arise and make your bed. See, it's in the scripture, boys, that you need to make your bed. They didn't know that, but it's in the scripture, you have to make your bed. Jesus Christ has made thee whole. Arise and make your bed. And instantly the man's healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. He's raised up out of his sickbed. And what happens in verse 35? All that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him. And what happened? They turned unto the Lord. When God's power is moving, when the Holy Ghost begins to move in power, not just within the confines of these four walls, 
But when God's people begin to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit and the boldness of the Spirit of God and have, as we sung today, there's healing and there's deliverance in their hands because the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so we see Peter is moving under the unction, the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit. And now he's witnessing, uh, as a word, as we would call it, a revival that breaks out in this little place called Lydda. All them that saw this man that was raised up, he was known to be sick for eight years, paralyzed with these tremors, an awful condition. And in a moment, through the name of Jesus Christ, this man is wonderfully made whole and he rises up and he becomes a testimony and a witness to the whole town that there's a healer and his name is Jesus. Peter moves on then uh, to Joppa and here again the Spirit of the Lord begins to move. Uh, Acts 9 verse 32 to 33 tells us of a certain lady, a disciple of the Lord. Her name was Tabitha. She was a woman full of good works and alms deed. But what happens to her is that she takes sick and that she died. And they washed her body, prepared her body, laid her in the upper upper chamber. And they heard that Peter was nearby, called for him to come. And on his arrival, he goes into the home and everyone's beginning to show Peter the wonderful garments that she made. She was a wonderful woman, a wonderful follower of the Lord. And they said, look at the garments she made and the materials before him. And they were weeping and they were broken over the loss of Tabitha. And Peter then takes all the people that were in that room and he puts them forth for a moment. And as he as he goes into that room, he kneels down in that room and he begins to pray and seek the Lord. And then he turns to the Lord and he says these words, Tabitha, arise. And what happened at that moment? She opened her eyes and she sat up. The power of God touched the light. Do we believe this this morning? This is real, isn't it? This is the reality. This is the first church, the early church of how God was moving. At that time then we see Acts 9 and verse 42. And it was known throughout all of Joppa. So now at Lydda, Saron, and now over Joppa on the coast. That many believed in the Lord. Because of the supernatural power of Almighty God. That was moving through that early church. The power of the Spirit of God. The authority of God's word. Preaching in the name of Jesus. Seeking the Lord. And as they went about from town to town. Village to village. And heard of those they were invited in. And they believed in the authority that's in the name of Jesus. That he's a healer. That he's a deliverer. That he's a baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And the power of God moved. And then many souls would be won to Jesus. Lord would you do the same again. And so at that time. There's a man by the name of Cornelius. He's a centurion. Of an Italian band. He is Acts 10 and verse 2. If you turn to it. Simply says that he was a devout man. He feared God with all his house. He gave alms. He prayed to God always. And as this man. This godly man is praying and seeking the Lord. He has a vision. And in that vision. There's an angel that comes to him. This is so important. Because at that time. It was so important 
And it's inspired and put in scripture for us to know it was so critical at this time in the early church that God would dispatch an angel from heaven right down into Cornelius' house, this godly man. And here we see, he sees an angel of the Lord, the angel of God, instructing him to call for a man called Peter, who's staying at Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa. Let me tell you something this morning. God knows your address. You understand, and there's God knows where you live. Listen to me, God knows everything about you. God knows what's going on in your home. God knew exactly where Peter was staying, where he was dwelling. He's in Simon the Tanner's house. You'll find Peter there. In other words, what I'm saying is, you can't hide or run from God. God knows where you are. And so Cornelius is instructed what to do. It was so important. And this was crucial for the gospel to go forth, not only from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but that the gospel would reach the uttermost parts of the earth. This was a crucial time in the early church. Now Peter, and you have to understand the mindset in the early church, and Peter in particular, as as a Jew, had an understanding that the gospel and the gift of the Holy Spirit was for the Jews only. He didn't understand what the cross fully meant, that when Christ died on the cross, he died for all men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, Muslims and Buddhists, atheists, and whatever else is in between, Christ died for all men. But in the early church, there was a mindset because In the Old Testament, they're God's chosen people in the dispensation of grace in which we're in the Gospels for all people. God has not forgot his people, but in the dispensation of grace, Peter had a mindset that the Gospel's only for us. Let me tell you, friends, the Gospel's for all men. It's not just for the Protestant, and it's not just for the Catholic, but praise the Lord this morning, it's for everyone. Christ died for us all. And so this mindset that can so easily in different contexts creep into the church of Jesus Christ. Could I say it this morning? It has even crept into the church in in Northern Ireland over the years that the gospel's for those of the Protestant background. Let me tell you something this morning, friends. The gospel's for all men. Regardless whether you're Republican or you're a loyalist, the gospel's for all of us. And so Peter still had a mindset as a Jew, believed that salvation was uniquely for them. So God then brings a vision to Peter. This is an amazing, an amazing account. Peter is in prayer and now there's a vision appears to Peter according to the scripture that, that, that there is a food that shall unclean prepared before him. So we know in the Old Testament there was certain types of food that the Jews were not allowed to partake of. It's all found there. And so God prefers in a vision, prepares in a vision, a whole blanket there before him and a whole table of unclean, unclean food. Well, Peter says, obviously, well, Lord, you know, I can't touch that. I can't be part of that. I'm not allowed to touch that because of my background. And so the Lord says to him, Peter, what God has cleansed, 
Thou call not common. In other words, this went back and forward a few times with Peter. As Peter's protesting against what the Lord is revealing to him, we know there's a deep spiritual truth about to come. Peter, what I've cleansed, you can't call common. Now, Peter then, as he as he's a man like every one of us in this room, he's doubting in his mind whether this be true. You ever doubt it? You ever just thought on these things as the Lord brings a revelation or a spiritual truth to you, and then you just ponder for a moment, and maybe there's just an element of doubt that might just slip into your mind. And as he's doubting, right at that moment, Acts chapter 10 and verse 17 Somebody knocks the door. There's three men that's been sent. Isn't the Lord amazing how he coordinates things? This is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So as Peter is seeing the vision and the revelations come into his heart, an angel has already arrived at Cornelius' house, brought the revelation to Cornelius that he needs to call for Simon, for Peter who's at Simon the tenor's house. Cornelius says to one of his closest soldiers, would you take two men and would you go down to Joppa for me? You'll find Peter. He's in this house. It's Simon the Tanner. You go there, find him, and make sure you bring him to me. Peter's sitting with an element of doubt whether or not what God's revealing to him is really from the Lord. Am I just seeing things? And there's a doubt in his head. And as he's doubting, God knocks the door. Suddenly then at that moment, Peter, as he's sitting waiting, the Spirit of the Lord, look what the Lord says in verse 19. The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Verse 20, Arise therefore, get thee down, go with him, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Do you see how the Lord's working here? How the Spirit of the Lord is moving in the hearts of men. You know, the angel could have said, to Cornelius, I want to bring a revelation to you, Cornelius. You all need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But he didn't. God was going to use men and women in this story because God desires to use your life for his glory if we're willing to be led of the Spirit of God. It prompted me to be reminded of a story that happened in Balnehenge many, many years ago, way before we ever came here, of a woman in this town. She's gone home to be with the Lord uh, presently, but a woman in this town many, many years ago who was blind, And she was praying that the Lord would send someone to pray for her that she would receive her healing. And at two o'clock in the morning, God woke two men separately, unbeknown to each other, to visit this woman's house. They went to this woman's house at two o'clock in the morning and they met each other at the garden gate. Exchange words, why are you here? Well, what are you doing here? I'm led of the Lord to pray for this woman for her healing. Both of them went in, laid hands on the woman, and the woman received her sight. That happened in Balanahinch. If we're willing to be led of the Spirit of the Lord, God's going to lead us to houses, to doors, to people. In this town and the towns around us, he'll guide us, he'll lead us because he hears this morning the groaning of the prisoner, those that are in chains, those that are suicidal all across the town of Balnage and beyond. If we're willing to be led of the Spirit of God, God can give you their address.
Are you hearing me this morning? God can give you their address. And so Peter comes, and there's the soldier, the two servants from Cornelius' house. So Peter then is brought, the next day he arrives down at Cornelius' house, and there they begin to exchange what happened. What happened? And Cornelius says, well, the guy was praying, and the angel came into me. And Peter says, well, I had a vision. And, and they begin to exchange and testify of what the Lord has been doing. Then in verse 34, if you turn with me this morning to read this, Acts 10 and verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He got a revelation about the gospel. That God is no respecter. Isn't that wonderful this morning? Whatever background you're from, whatever country you're from, whatever language you speak, whatever you are, whoever you are, that the gospel is for all of us. God is no respecter of persons. God wants to save every one of us this morning, regardless of who we are. And here he says, God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which sent, which the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all, all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before, before of God, even to us, us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. And when Peter and when Peter spoke these words at that moment, listen, brothers and sisters, at that moment when Peter spoke those words, something divine, something supernatural, something from beyond this natural realm in which we are a part of happened in that house. The Bible says, listen carefully, the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on all them not heard the word of the Lord. The Holy Ghost, listen carefully this morning, because I, I do have an answer for where we are. I do have an answer for where this whole thing is at this present time. I have an answer this morning. I don't say that arrogantly, but I do say it with God's confidence this morning. I do have an answer for all that's taken place in this world. Listen to me. I have an answer for this church this morning. And it's found right here in God's word. The Holy Ghost 
fell on them which heard the word. Listen very carefully now, because this takes us out of a realm of normality, a realm of perhaps what we are used to, or parameters that we feel safe in. But I want to tell you something. We need the Holy Ghost to fall. We need a move of God's Spirit, just like it was in this house at Caesarea, Cornelius' house. You remember, God is no respecter of persons. That means to me this morning, God's willing to visit this little place in Ballinahinch, whatever anybody else thinks about it. But God this morning is no respecter of persons. Praise God this morning. He wants to fall in this we hall upon every life that's in this room. At that exact moment, in that place, heaven, as it were, listen, heaven, heaven opened. Heaven opened. And God, the Holy Spirit, fell upon all of them. There wasn't one person in that room that was missed out. There wasn't one that left the same way in which they came. But every single person in that room experienced the living reality and the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, you stay with me because I'll take you to where we're going in a wee moment. At that critical moment, it was critical for the dispensation of the gospel age. As we know, that mindset was was segregation towards the gospel and largely only believing it was for the Jews. And Paul himself had the right against that mindset coming into, into the church. Galatians 5 and 1, what did he say? Stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We're not going back to religion. We're not going back to bondage where Christ has made us free. You're constantly contending, not in that sense of circumcision that it was then, but you're constantly contending with the spirit of the Antichrist and also religious flesh that doesn't want to move. And Paul's saying there's a liberty that we have in the spirit this morning that if we're willing to step into that, the Holy Ghost will fall on us just like it did, he did in in Cornelius's house, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. What did it look like for those questions that are being asked when the Holy Ghost fell? The Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on all them. The Bible records here that they speak with tongues and they magnify God. And suddenly the whole house erupted with the river of life and they began to lift their hands and magnify the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. I think we got a a little taster on Wednesday night when God came down and the Spirit of God caught us all up. But friends, I want to tell you there's so much more. The Holy Ghost, when Peter was recording or testifying to the disciples at Jerusalem about what happened in Acts 11 and 15, he simply said these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them even as it did on us at the beginning. 16 years later, listen, forget about all the theologians, all the smart people saying it's not for today. 
Let me tell you, 16 years later, after that initial outpouring of the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost fell again, just like it did at the beginning. Everyone that was in that room, 120 people were all filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and it filled every one of them. It happened again. See, for people to say it was a once and only thing, it's here in Acts chapter 10. It happened 16 years later and there's many other times it happened. The power of God was moving. Now you might want to know, if you're like me, you would like to ask questions. Here's one of the questions that I would have asked about Peter. I wonder what Peter was thinking. I wonder what was racing through his mind as he's standing in this room and it's all happening again. Well, praise the Lord, he tells us what he was thinking in Acts chapter 11, verse 16. When this was happening, as Peter was looking at it and witnessing it, in Acts 11 and 16, this is what he thought. Then remembered I the word of the Lord. How that he said, listen, this is what he said. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with what? The Holy Ghost. And that's what Peter was thinking. He was standing there going, wow. Praise God, this is awesome. I didn't think these people could get filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't really mind this morning what your background is. I don't mind what religious background, what denominational background. But friends, this morning I want to tell you, there's a baptism in the Holy Ghost for every one of us. And so we see here, he says in verse 17, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pick the last phrase up in verse 17. He says these words, What was I, or who am I, that I could withstand, what does he say? God. When Peter seen it happening, poured out on the Gentiles, as it was on the Jews in that upper room, he says, who am I that I can stop God doing that? Friends, who are we this morning that we could resist the Holy Spirit? Who are we that we could resist or grieve him this morning? That word withstand means to hinder the Holy Ghost and what he wants to do in your life. Who are we this morning that we could stand or sit and say in our hearts and our minds, well, that's his thing. He's a Pentecostal. It's nothing to do with being a Pentecostal. It's, been, it's to do with being a Christian. Who am I that I would withstand what God wants to do in my life and withstand or hinder what he wants to do in your life? What was I? We remain faithful in everything. Listen carefully. We must remain faithful to our call, to our commission, to our duty, our Christian duty. But I want to tell you, friends, this morning, there are times, and if you know anything about the history of the church the history of faith recorded in God's word. There are simply times, listen, that God himself comes down. It's when God intervenes. I tell you, friends, if ever there was a moment that I believe that God, that we need God to intervene, it's right now. If there's ever a time in the affairs of our land and in the condition and the state of the church 
if there's ever a time that we need an intervention of Almighty God, I believe it's right at this moment. You see, we do what we're called to do. We preach because we're called to preach. We evangelize because we're commissioned to evangelize. We meet because we're commanded to meet. We break bread because it's in the word of God that we do these things. We meet together to pray because that's what Christians do. We break bread together. We fellowship together. We pray for one another. We pray for the nations of the world. We know that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. But then there are moments in history when God himself simply intervenes in the affairs of the church and in the affairs of man and God himself takes over. And when you read of those moments in history, friends, It's the preaching still goes forth. The singing still happens. Everything of those things still take place. But suddenly there's a wave of the power of Almighty God that takes over and leads us beyond the natural realm of church life and impacts a community. In other words, I'm talking about this morning, the awesome holiness of Almighty God visits His people and a town, and the irresistible power of God breaks loose. And if ever there was a day we need this, it's today. You see, the times are recorded in the Scriptures from the beginning that God's intention is always to come down. You read it right from the beginning. His intention's always to come down. The rich man, You know, you're here this morning. Can I tell you something? God, he's the high and lofty one, but the Bible tells us he wants to come down to where you are. You might be broken, bruised, beaten, tormented, but I want to tell you, there's a God this morning wants to come down and deliver you. You might be here this morning and you're troubled with suicidal thoughts, but I want to tell you, friends, this morning, there's a God in heaven that wants to come down to where you are. You might be here this morning and your body's riddled with a disease, whatever that disease. But I want to tell you there's a God in heaven that wants to come down and be your healer. You might be here this morning, you're lost, you're dead and in darkness. But I want to tell you, friends, if you touch the life of God this morning, your life will never be the same. Never be the same again. The reason why so many sit bored and asleep in church is because they've never come into contact with the resurrection and the life. And if you touched them this morning, your life would never be the same. Never be the same. This might be all words. This might be all things or or just a, a setup that you don't really grasp. But I want to tell you something. If the Holy Ghost, and I'm believing it, falls on this room this morning and you come into contact with the life and the power of Jesus Christ, your life would never be the same. Never. When God comes down, the Bible talks about the the mountain of the mountains being melted at the presence of the Lord. The psalmist says, tremble thy earth. Of the presence of the Lord. The, the prophet said, Oh, that he would rend the heavens and what that he would come down. What happens when he comes? The mountains would flow down in his presence as the melting fire, the fire that causes the waters to, to boil. And this is what he says to make thy name known to thy adversaries. 
that the name of Christ would be known in this land at this time. That the name of the Lord wouldn't be a curse word and a mockery on the radios and the television programs and in the streets of our land. But the name of Jesus would be honored and lifted up as his name this morning. But he comes for his name's sake. The eye has not seen, nor has the ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of the Lord. I'm closing in a moment, but I want to show you something that's very important. What was it like when the Spirit fell? What happens when the Holy Ghost comes? What takes place when he just simply falls like a shower coming on a people, what takes place? See that little word fail. You bear with me this morning. The Greek scholars can correct me afterwards. But here, that word fail in the Greek is simply a word that is pronounced as epipipto. Epipipto. If I'm cr- pronouncing it correct, don't worry about it. But that's what the Greek word is. This word, when he falls... Do you know what it means? It's actually so precious. I want you to hear this this morning. When the Holy Ghost fell, this is what this Greek word means. It means to embrace with affection. When he comes, it's the comforter. Jesus says he'll not leave us comfortless, but he'll give us a comforter. It simply means this morning, friends, listen, when the Holy Ghost falls, People might focus on many manifestations of that, but I focus on this one thing. When he comes, he'll come with the embrace of Jesus. He's going to gather the broken and the maimed and the hurting and the lonely and the destitute and the dry. And he gathers them in and the Holy Ghost embraces them. He gathers us as the sheep. And he's the great shepherd, that's Jesus. And the Holy Ghost is the arms, as it were, that we gather around his people and draws in onto himself. And he would embrace us. How we need the comforter to come afresh. To, to grasp his people. To feel the embrace of an almighty God. That the everlasting arms are ever round about us and underneath us. And friends, let me tell you of a certain this morning. He's going to carry his children home. How many need to feel the embrace of the Holy Ghost this morning? How many are feeling that it's been distant or dry or even cold in your walk with the Lord? There's maybe not any definite sin or or anything happening, or maybe there is, I don't know. But you know in your heart, it's never anything to do with him because his desire is always to come. And so he wants to embrace you this morning. He wants to revive you this morning. He wants to restore the joy of your salvation this morning. He wants to heal you if you're sick. He wants to fill you if you're empty. Because Christ is all that. And the Holy Ghost will only ever speak of him. But he wants to embrace us. He doesn't want us to run from him. He doesn't want us to pull away. He just wants us to come and cast herself at his feet and he'll embrace us he's not standing with a big stick to beat us this morning thank God he's here to embrace us need the Holy Ghost to fall you know what's found again you don't have to turn there but I want you to listen if you can 
Just everybody, if you could. I know maybe some have shut off for most of this, but if you could listen for a few moments as I close this morning. I know the Lord's leading me with this. Just listen carefully. If you can, shut out all the thoughts. And if you can, just for a moment to honor the Lord, to listen to his word. But this, this word is found again. And another crucial scripture is found in Acts chapter 20. But it, what's happening there in Acts chapter 20? Paul the apostle is preaching a message. And we know the story. There's a young man by the name of Eutychus. And he's, he's sitting on the windowsill. And you know, Paul's just gone on too long. <laughs> now you would never think that about me. I know that. But he's just preached maybe a wee bit longer. He could have wrapped it up 10 minutes ago, but he's sort of, he's dragged it out a wee bit, you know. And Paul's preached on, it's coming up nearly to midnight, and there's a young fellow that he's asleep. Listen, young woman and young man, an older man and older woman who's here this morning. You may not hear anything else, but I do want you to hear this. You know, you might have slept through this message. You can sleep with your eyes open. I know that too. Your brain's just dead. It's just dead to the things of God. Your eyes may be open, but you're not hearing anything. You're not feeling anything. You're not sensing anything. The reason why, because your spirit is dead. You hear me this morning? It's because you're dead. If you're not in Christ, you're dead in your sin. There's a death. You cannot experience the spirit of God. There's nothing. I could do cartwheels up this room. You might laugh, but you'll not experience God. It doesn't matter how great the singing is or the preaching is or everything that we do and the praying is. Every activity of this meeting this morning of what we do, we're enjoying the Spirit. But you're dead to the Spirit. It means nothing. You're lifeless to it. You're dead. That's what the Bible says. You're actually dead. Your spirit is dead. You have no comprehension. It doesn't mean much. You don't know why we're getting excited. You don't know why I preach and shout and sweat. You don't know what's wrong with us. Because you're dead. That's why. This young man is sitting. And one of the great preachers of the New Testament. His name was Paul the Apostle. And he's sitting in Paul's meeting. What a testimony Paul had. What a life he's lived for Jesus. What example he set before them. The miraculous has taken place. But you know this morning friends. Somebody could be raised from the dead. At the front of this building. And there's still people in this room. It wouldn't move them one moment. A man could be healed of cancer. But it wouldn't shift his inner thought pattern. Do you understand why? Because we need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need God to fall. And this young man sitting on the windowsill, Paul's preaching, I'm sure he was preaching his life out. I believe he's a passionate preacher and he preached in the power of the Holy Ghost and the demonstration, not in word only, that's what he tells us. So the miracles were happening. The power of God was moving. But Eutychus was dead. He was asleep on the windowsill. And Paul preached on. And Paul preached on, and Paul preached on, and Paul preached on. And the wee lad sitting in the window was so sunken into a sleep. You know what happened to him. He fell out the window. He fell out the window. He was in the church, the building, but he was lost. 
He was on the windowsill. But let me tell you, friends, he'll move you to the windowsill and then you'll fall into the world. Don't think you can sit and sleep in church and it's going to be okay because it's stages. He'll take you one step at a time. Bit by bit, but he'll edge you closer to the edge. I'll tell you, friends, I know all about it this morning. He'll just keep edging you to the windowsill. And then suddenly one day, you'll fall into the depths of that world. But praise the Lord, isn't God good? Isn't his mercy endure forever? Isn't he a wonderful Savior, Alex? Isn't he amazing this morning? He fell out that windowsill and he died dead. No life. His breath is gone. The Bible says these words, and Paul went down. Praise God, Paul went down. You know, Brent, you've got to go down. We've got to go down, friends. Where, what am I talking about this morning? We've got to go down to where they are. We've got to go down into the pits and into the hedges. And into all the places and the dens of iniquity. Not to sit and have a drink with them. And take their drugs and laugh at their filthy jokes. We've got to go down to where they are. Because we have a life that they need. What happens? Paul goes right down. Know what he did? Here's this word again. He fell on him. Paul went down and fell on him. Do you know what happened when he fell on him? Life. Life came straight into that life. And suddenly, Eutychus, who was dead, he was alive. He was alive. Friends, that's the life that we have this morning. That's the life in you, Jeff. That's the life in you, Paul. That's the life of Jesus in these lives. And this world, we need to fall on them with the mercy of God. We need to fall on them with the life of Jesus. We need to embrace them with the love of Jesus Christ because it's a broken, it's a broken world and they're dead. Let me tell you what happens. Listen, just listen for a couple of moments. Let me tell you what's happened. I understand it. Listen, I understand. I want you to hear me this morning. I understand it that you might sit here this morning and say, boy, I go to church, but I'm bored stiff. I mean, I go to church and it is boring. It's capital B. I don't like going to church. I have to go to church. I get all that. Listen, my mom brought me to, brought us to church. I mean, I had to make my own entertainment in there just to get through. I done everything I possibly could and drove my parents up the wall, looking about, messing about and everything else because it was boring to me. But it wasn't boring to everybody else. Because everyone else that had that life were glad to be there. Because they had the same life. You know, when I hear people saying, believers saying, it's a bit boring. Then you need to get on fire. And you need to get revived yourself. Instead of talking about everybody else, get filled with the Holy Ghost. But here's what happened, you see. That was dead to me. I mean, meetings. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night. Uh, Auntie Rosemary, Uncle Trevor, Milton Baptist, Wednesday night meeting flats, everything. My parents, we, they had us at meetings all over. The, and I tell you, friends, thank God for it tonight. Thank God for it this morning. That they did do it. I mean, it drove me mad. I didn't want to go. We fought the bit out there. We fought the whole way back. We didn't want to be there because I was dead to it. It was something in my head that I understood was true and it was right. But I had never come into contact 
with the life. See, when you touch that life, listen to me, friend, when you touch that, when you touch the life, I'm not talking about church, I'm not talking about me, I'm not talking about personalities, I'm talking about when you meet Jesus, when you meet this resurrection and the life, when you have an encounter with the living God, when he touches you, your life's never going to be the same again. Because all you'll want is Jesus. And you'll not be born anymore. You'll just be filled with God and all you'll be doing is worshipping him. It reminds us of the story. Second Kings chapter 13. It says the Moabites are coming in. They're invading the land. The enemy's invading the land. Friends, I'm not hyping this up this morning. It's like the enemy has come in like a wave, like a tsunami of wickedness that has swept over our land. We all know that. We know we're in days and men are waxing worse and worse. It's like the enemy was invading. There was a man who was dead. There was a man who was dead of going to bury him. And they went over and they were putting him in the same tomb as a prophet called Elijah. He was dead. And they were putting him in the same tomb as prophet Elijah. You know what happened? When they put the dead body in and he touched the bones of Elijah. Do you want to know what, do you know what happened? When he touched the bone, this is what a double portion will do. Your bones are still anointed. When that that corpse was put into that tomb and they suddenly touched the bones of the prophet, suddenly he who was dead jumped up and stood on his feet. This is the life and the power of the living God. I didn't realize you could jump that high, by the way. But this is the life of God. My knees are still good and my hips are good. Praise God this morning we can jump. You touch the life. When you touch the life, friends, you have the life. That's the life of God. And it will all change. The devil will be sitting saying, no, no. There's something out in that world for me. There's something on those green fields for me. I want to tell you, you'll go to the window. And then you'll go outside and you'll fall. But I want to tell you, listen to me, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go to the window. You don't have to fall into the world. This morning, the Holy Ghost fell on them all. You can touch the life of God. Even more importantly, he can touch you. May the Holy Ghost fall on us that heard the word. He that has an ear is going to hear this morning. God, give his ears to hear. And may the Holy Spirit fall on his people, not just here. I'm praying that God would fall on his church. I tell you, revive it. Know why? That it's going to stand up in this hour. Not as Jeff prayed this morning, beating our chest and our drums, but we're going to stand in the name of Jesus and in the power and the strength of the Holy Ghost. Friend, this morning, he wants to embrace us. That's what happened when he fell on them. He wants to embrace us, draw us ever closer to the Savior's side. He wants to fill us. He wants to heal us. He wants to deliver us. He wants to use our lives and he can say, Emma, there's a woman down the road. Here's her address. Would you go and visit her? God speaks like that, friend. Listen to me. That's the way God speaks. He can put on your heart to go and visit her brother, visit his sister, stand on a street corner. He can put it on your heart to go and reach the lost, to fall on them and embrace them like Paul fell in Eutychus and embrace them with the love of Christ and give them a word that sets them free, saves them, not only saves them, but fills them with the Holy Ghost. 
Lord, fall on us, we pray. Father, this morning, God, we just need you. Lord, we just come, we need you. Lord, there's no fancy words that we can say. There's nothing we can do, Lord, of ourselves. But, oh God, we just throw ourselves before you this morning. We pray as you fell in the house of Cornelius and Caesarea. As you fell in the upper room, Lord, all those years ago, we thank you for the blessed Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to feel the embrace of the Holy Ghost, the arms of Jesus, the everlasting arms of God, round about us and underneath us this morning. But Lord, would you touch every single life in this room? Lord, would you fill us with the power of the Holy Ghost that this place would truly, Lord, truly be a haven, be a rescue shop, be a shop, Lord, a place where God's so mighty in the midst that everyone that comes through those doors would not experience a man of this world, but experience the man, Jesus, that he would be embraced, that they would be embraced with the love of God through the church of Jesus Christ, that they would know, that they would know the reality of a resurrection and a life. Lord, I pray you'd break fear over people's lives. I take authority in the name of Jesus over fear and lives this morning. Lord, I pray you would expose the working of the enemy, the deceitfulness and the lies that he would place in the hearts of our young, that there's a world out there for them to go and experience. Lord, this morning, we know he's a liar, he's a thief, he's a murderer. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus this morning, O oh God, speak in the hearts, give courage, give faith, Lord, to stand for Jesus. Lord, would you fill every life in this room with the power of the Holy Ghost. Break the chains of religion. Break the chains, Lord, of all the rigmarole. Oh God, we pray this morning, fall Holy Spirit upon us today, Lord. Oh God, even as they heard the word, the Holy Ghost fell. Lord, we pray, do it again, Lord. Do it again this morning, O oh God. Lord, I pray you would heal the sick in this house this morning. Those that are crippled, dying with illness, I pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ has made thee whole in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, fill your people with your power. Fill us this morning, Lord. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name, would you fill every one of us, O God. In Jesus' precious name, thank you, Father.